Welcome to Dead House. I am Dylan. I am Nathan. And how are you good, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. We fucking saw Spider-Man last night. We beyond, did. In, um, I was beyond Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I was going to remember, <laughs> try to remember what it's called. Is it... No, no. Is it Across the Spider-Verse? Because the first one was Into the Spider-Verse. I I'm a big fuckhead. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Across the Spider-Verse, This yeah. is the problem when they... What is it with Spider-Man movies and all having like almost the same title? We've got... Far From Home, well, yeah. Homecoming, Far From Home, New Way Home, yeah, I Into know. the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, and then the next one's called Beyond the Spider-Verse. I think they're trying to do that so it all ties in, but it just makes it confusing when you're trying to recall <laughs> Weech's Weeds. As like, evidenced by me just then. Go back to the OG days when you had Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. Like, that's so much easier to do. Almost <laughs> <laughs> just spat coffee everywhere. <laughs> so much easier to remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was cool. Um, I really enjoyed the first one, like... Really cool animation style, really cool soundtrack. So in this one, I was kind of going into it expecting the same. I didn't really, I don't think I even saw the trailer, so I didn't really know what to expect. I, I just... desperately avoid trailers for movies I want to watch, so I definitely didn't see it. Mm. I had like one thing I think spoiled for me, okay, but it wasn't a huge thing, so that wasn't too bad. Yeah, it was kind of just similar to the first one, like even story wise, I found. Well, in a good way, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't uh, bad. No. Yeah, well, someone asked me, he was like, oh, are you going to like this? Or what do you, what, do you think you're going to like it? I'm like, I know mm. for a fact I'm going to like it. Like, yeah, yeah. There's, c- coming off the first one, there's no way they can fuck that up. Yeah, well, and a lot hopefully. of the throwbacks to previous Spider-Man films and comics and like absurd characters as well. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, hey, if you know anything about the Spider-Man franchise or the comics or anything, mm. there's going to be stuff you like in here. Like, what's the one you were looking out for? The bombastic bag. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I liked uh, Peter Park's car. <laughs> that, yeah, that one was really good. I'm disappointed we didn't see Spider's Man. <laughs> Please explain. How does what, what is that? It's uh, like a horde of thousands of sentient spiders that okay. come together and put a Spider-Man suit on, become uh, Spider-Man. Okay, I like so, that. Like Spider's Man. That's cool. That's like a Power Rangers thing. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, Nathan is a huge Spider-Man fan, so uh, I believe you've read many of the comics, right? And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, still gonna figure out my Spider-Man tattoo. Who's your favourite Spider-Man out of, like, the big three? Like, we've got Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Tom. Oh, I thought you meant, like, the big three Spider-Men, like, from comics. Like, oh, yeah, Ben Ben Riley, (laughs) fucking Miles Morales. Uh, Fuck, it's hard, man. Because I like... I feel like it's a a common opinion that, like, um, Andrew Garfield was the best Spider-Man, but not a good Peter Parker because he was too cool. Yeah, he wasn't like He was just quirky, he was an outcast. Yeah, yeah. And then Tobey Maguire was a better Peter Parker, but his Spider-Man was all right. Like, he wasn't really quippy or anything like that. Whereas Tom Holland kind of is in between. He's like like the kid. Yeah, that's. I think that was my problem when I first saw Homecoming, is like, Mm. he was too young, which is stupid because he's meant to be. Yeah, okay. And they made him too much of like a... Iron Man fanboy And I didn't yeah. like that I was like Oh Spider-Man should really Be his own fucking hero Not Yeah You know Literally be set up In the shadow of Iron Man no, I can see that I But mean, over the course Of the, the movies they've done Like he's he's come to his own now So that's alright Yeah I'm partial to Tobey Maguire Because that's the Spider-Man We grew up with But he's not like The I mean, best actor <laughs> I mean all the <laughs> acting In that film Is just over dramatic Well Andrew and- Garfield And Tom Holland Didn't do any dancing So <laughs> You know, walking down the street in a black suit with black emo hair. We got an emo Spider-Man in the originals, so that's cool. And I mean, Venom's sick. I just like him, like Topher Grace playing him was a bit strange. And I do not like the new Venom films at all. Uh, They're very hit or miss for me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is not a fucking Spider-Man podcast. No, but I'm excited because I finally went back to gym this week. Oh, yeah. I I, I think I literally had like a month off, so... I was thinking I would kind of ease myself back into it because I probably lost a lot of strength. Did you start with leg day? No, I did leg day today. And dude, stepping off the last machine onto the treadmill, I thought my knees were going to buckle when I had to like lift my foot. Jesus. Um, so that's no, why you good. just don't go back? Oh, no, nah, it's a slippery slope. No, it feels good. It feels good to get back into it. So, um, yeah. I also, I want to I want to mention some listeners this week because we've got, got some regular listeners that have have been like sharing the pod for us and giving us feedback and um, it's really cool. And I, I want to let them know that uh, that they're heard. So I want to shout out Sean, our boy. Who's Sean? The homie. <laughs> uh, Dave, Luke, Max Glaze and the Press Conference podcast who were kind enough to, to share our pod on their socials. So very nice. I like that. If all y'all are listening, we appreciate you very much. Much love. And uh, I suppose we should probably mm-hmm. let everyone know what we're talking about today. It follows. It follows. Yes. Yes. This was, I think, I think it was technically released or at least 
premiered at festivals in 2014, but it got a worldwide distribution 2015. Mm-hmm. So, well, because I, I believe originally it was only meant to be like a very small release and then a lot of video on demand release, mm. but it became so popular and did really well that they're like, oh, we're going to make it theatrical only and yeah. release it to a bunch more th- cinemas. Yeah, they kind of redistributed it. So I'm going to say 2015. Because that's when like the world got to oh. see it, as opposed to like festival audience. Sure, I'd still say twenty fourteen. Okay, go, go right ahead. No, because that's when that when oh god that that oh. no English that when because um, that's when it was yeah twenty twenty fourteen is when it was first premiered audiences. So I agree. Let's let's say twenty fourteen. Um, this was a film that always caught my attention, but I never got around to seeing until you spoke very highly of it. So this mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. one of the first like contemporary horrors you suggested I watch, and I was definitely not disappointed. Yeah, well, I first saw it. Fucking, what year did, I would have seen it, like, probably the year or the year after it actually came out, 2014 yeah. or 2015. Yeah, so it wouldn't have been long after we graduated. Yeah. So it would have had a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, doing watching that instead of studying uni. Yeah. Oh, man. But uh, this is, um, it's a surprisingly original film for, like, the 2010s era. And I believe it's, like, largely been regarded one of the best, like, American horrors of at least the last decade. That is a bold statement, but mm. yeah, I'd definitely say one of the most original. Yeah. Like up, up, like in the last couple of years, we've had a lot of breakthrough stories and original concepts, mm. more than just the same shit they were churning out for most of this fucking decade. Yeah. Uh, decade? Century? Century. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a difference. 2000 onward, there was, there was not good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this one had one of the most original concepts. Mm-hmm. Which, which, uh, which immediately drew me to it. What, to, to pitch it simply, would you say like it's a sexually transmitted death curse? There's a death curse. <laughs> that's kind of like pursuing these teens and only the victim who's affected can see it? Or people or, who have yes, been Yes, people who have, have been the, slept with. Who it currently is affecting or has affected in the past because you yeah. get it when you sleep with someone who has the curse mm. and then it's passed to you and then it attacks you. Yeah. And the only way for you to get rid of it is to pass it on to someone else. Yeah. But, but you can still see it. But right? you can still it see just it. It doesn't it, necessarily pursue you. Yes. And if the creature that's following the entity kills the current person, it goes back and chases the previous person. Yeah. And it goes so down it'll the just line. go get back down the line. Yeah. Really interesting. And um, this was written and directed by David Robert Mitchell. This mm-hmm. was his second feature, and I don't think he's done a whole lot since it. I looked him up. I didn't. I think he's on like three movies and yeah. I didn't recognize any of the other ones. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, obviously this was like a passion project and it was an independent film and just kind of blew up. So good for him, I guess. Yeah. So strange though, because come out with a fucking, you know, hit that is It Follows mm. and then just fall into obscurity, not follow up with another good movie. Yeah. It's very odd. I have read that there's been talks of a sequel, but, uh, you know, you yeah. know how we feel about sequels. I think there was talks from a sequel from the moment it came out, but mm. that was like, what, eight years ago now? Yeah. So yeah. I don't Still think it's nothing. happening. Oh, that's good. Leave it alone. It's 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 great in its own right. So this is starring, I think you pronounce it Mika Munro? I hate... As Jay, yeah. the main chick. The act, most of the actors in this have not weird names, but hard to pronounce names. <laughs> they're, they're not super well known, but um, Keir Gilchrist, which is now an atypical, um, and Jake Weary, who was in the TV adaptation of Animal Kingdom, um, and Daniel Zavato. So, uh, sort of, you know, cast that kind of emerging actors, I guess, at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, this one had a budget of about a million and made 22 million at the box office. So, smash hit for an independent film. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, like, we've spoken kind of what makes this film concept different and unique. And it's kind of like an impending doom because, you know, the entity, it, we'll call it, mm-hmm. when it's stalking you, it's just kind of, like, slowly walking towards them. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it never runs. Um, it never has weapons. It's just people and it they explain in the film don't they it can either be like a stranger in a crowd or it can take the form of a mm. loved one what, any, whatever any... will help it get closer to you yeah yeah so uh, obviously if you think it's like a parent or a friend or whatever um it has more of a chance getting closer but yeah they just kind of like walk like deadpan with their arms by their side mm-hmm. have like heavy bags on, around their <laughs> eyes they're just real creepy like dead looking people yeah i don't know why specifically it chooses like who mm. it appears as because it ranges from 
like it can be a normal person, like a normal looking person, just a school kid with a school bag. Yeah, and yeah. the only way you'd realize it's the entity is it yeah it's just what beelining straight for you yeah not, not moving yeah uh or it can go to like a topless abused person mm. urinating in a kitchen <laughs> you know or a fucking seven foot seven guy yeah that's lurking in the fucking shadows yeah i i like when um jay the main chick sort of first realizes that it's now following her and i think her first like the first person she sees that it takes the form of is is the old lady crossing the schoolyard when she's mm-hmm. in class, yep. and I like when she like goes out into the hor- the fuck the what. <laughs> I like when she goes out into the corridor okay. and the students are like at their lockers or whatever and she's yelling at the woman and they kind of turn and look at her because no one else can see it. That was mm-hmm. that was really well done. A good moment where she kind of affirms mm. that whatever Hugh slash Jeff told her yeah. is uh, actually true. Yeah, for sure. And it's a really good way of kind of just... It leaves you on the edge of your seat because it's like this perpetual paranoia because it can take the form of anyone and it can kind of like appear at any time. Like they sort of say that you can outrun it, you can buy some time by like driving somewhere else, but it's always going to eventually catch up. Yeah, I think that's the... It's just very, very effective because... It's kind of similar to the old zombie like horde movies where mm. it's just an unrelenting force that will keep following you. Yeah, Or yeah. similar to like a Michael Myers where he's never really running, but he's always just steadily walking towards you going, coming to kill you. Yeah, for sure. And I like how it's all this kind of terror in broad daylight. Like we oh, said about Midsummer. Yeah. Or- I'm an absolute sucker for that stuff. And yeah, yeah the fact that it carries over into this film is, mm. is beautiful. Because I mean, obviously there are moments at night, but... Uh, yeah, the fact that it will just... It's relentless and it will always follow you. I'd, I'd say the night. scarier moments, if you can call them that. Because mm. it's not a very scary movie. It's more of a psychological yeah. like trauma movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The scarier, quote-unquote, quote, mo- moments of the movie happen during the nighttime. But yeah. then during the daytime, it still has moments uh, where you can see it or it's following just to like keep it in your mind that mm. it's still there. Like Even in the safety of the daylight, you're not safe. Yeah, and I mean, even, like, you mentioned that famous scene with the really tall dude in the hallway. Like, even at night in a, you know, locked house with friends, you're still not safe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, it's just, yeah, really unsettling. And I don't know, sort of, what the deeper meaning is, um, you know, whether um, David Robert Mitchell sort of put much substance into the plot because i know a lot of it was kind of inspired by dreams he had of being Mm -hmm. followed in his youth but it seems to be like a metaphor for almost like the shame um, that can accompany like underage sex but also just fear of hiv okay yeah sure i've definitely seen the like the std or venereal disease fucking Mm. um connection being made a lot i've not i've not ever thought about the shame of it yeah but because like she's nineteen. I don't think right? it necessarily needs to be underage. Well, she's not. She wouldn't be nineteen because she, she, she's, she's in high school. I, I think she's nineteen, but because like Jeff or Hugh, whatever his real name was, mm-hmm. like the first boyfriend, he was twenty-one. They say. Yeah, he's graduated, but she's what? What fucking age do Americans graduate? Because she's. I know what she's like, in high school. They're they're like drinking and voting and consensual sex ages <laughs> are like all different. I think to us. Sure. Sure. I don't know. Let's let's call it eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. Why not? But I like the shame aspect of it. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of the victims are kids. So I don't know if that's just because they have more sex or <laughs> or what. Probably. Well, it's just probably because we're looking at it from this like portion of its story. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm sure Beds goes through moments where it just goes around a nursing home. Because <laughs> those those are that'd be, be easy. fucking. <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah, I just kind of I, I guess you can read into it and see I that. Like, but I like it more as a metaphor, and I didn't think of this. I, I read this and it kind of resonated with me mm. as a metaphor for just the inevitability of death. Yeah, in, in that okay. it, death is always coming for you. Yeah, you never know when or where it's going to hit you or who's going to like mm. cause it to happen. So I can take different shapes and different forms. Yeah, I like that. Always following. You can do things to like sort of delay it and put it off by sleeping with someone else and just yeah, distracting skipping states. Skipping, yeah, and... skipping stuff. And then, but eventually it is going to come for you. Yeah, I like that. So it sounds like there's a few different avenues you can take if you want to 
try and kind of read into the meaning of it. But um, yeah, I think the director has not really said much on that. He just kind of says, yeah, it was just like had the idea since I was, you know, a kid and just kind of liked the idea of having something that was relentless and yeah, well, no matter of, what you did, you couldn't kind of stop does it. it does, does the movie a credit then because it just creates more conversation of different yeah. people can have different interpretations and it just creates more conversation. Well, there definitely is a lot of ambiguity around this film because even ambiguity. the timeline... I'm sorry, I hated the way you just said that. <laughs> what did you say? Ambiguity? What, what did you say? Ambiguity? Yes. Okay. Ambiguity. Okay, no... <laughs> I mean, I didn't know scun was a word, so maybe I could be wrong here, but that's the way I say it. Okay. There definitely is an ambiguous timeline because, like, they explicitly say it's set in Detroit and they they point out that um, the boyfriend lives in, like, the rundown part of 8 Mile and everything, but... Well, he was squatting there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, like, you've got old TV sets, old telephones, Mm -hmm. old cars... Yet, like that friend with the glasses reads like an e-reader type thing. Yeah, like clamshell that. Yeah, we barely have that like, tech now. Clearly, a modern digital device. Because then and there's also modern cars. The the very first chick in the beginning has a mobile phone, but yeah. they're still using landlines. Yeah, and then yeah, all the old TVs are like cathode ray tube TVs. Yeah, they're watching movies from the fifties. But yeah, then all the black and white films. There's like brand new cars from the 50s, but then also brand new cars from like modern times. It's so strange. And I think that was probably intended so like the whole film like could take place in a dream. Like you never know. Yeah. Uh, I, to, to further on that, it also goes further than like the year, but even the time of year. Like if you look at in the beginning, mm. uh, the chick's not scantily dressed, but she's kind of in like pajamas and high heels, whatever. Right. Um, and the trees are like autumn trees, like autumn leaves got reddish orange. Yeah. Uh, but then like when it transitions to Jay, which is assumedly not that long after, mm. she's swimming in a pool, so it can't be that cold. But then when she goes on a date with Hugh slash Jeff, they're in like winter coats. Yeah. So it kind That's of, true. it doesn't really, and then all the trees and stuff kind of look more winterish. I think when she's in the pool, mm. then a couple of days later, they're at the beach yeah, in like beach clothes. That's true. So it I, does, and in and in Detroit, I'm yeah. not, I've never been there, but I'm pretty sure it goes from snowing or at least very cold mm. to like temperate. Yeah, no, that's fair. I didn't really pick up on the seasonal, like the erratic seasonal changes, but that makes mm. sense um, because it kind of seems like it would be set in like late 80s, early 90s based on like the way they dress and the technology, but it, it definitely chops and changes, mm. which would not be accidental, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, I've also uh, heard that um, when he was uh, producing it or the film was in production, um, that David also didn't like tell people what it was about because when you say that like concise plot of a sexually transmitted curse out loud, like it sounds stupid. So he sure. he didn't want apparently that to kind of detract with the impact that the film would have upon its first watch. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there are definitely stupider concepts that they've made, oh, yeah. made movies about. I've read this morning that they're relaunching the Leprechaun franchise. Fuck yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Uh, oh, shit. but we can't have Warwick Davis, though. Ah, oh, yeah, I know, but... Peter Dinklage I, it's is the <laughs> Leprechaun. Shit. Um, and you mentioned before, like, that first scene where it's uh, a chick that you never see again after the, the opening scene because yeah. it, it changes... Um, to like a shot of the morning uh, and she's dead. So it's... Not, also, not just dead, she's fucking oh, yeah. dead with her knee bent back. Body's like mutilated. That actually reminded me a lot of Jaws because... I like that, yeah. The opening yeah, scene is set beach. at night and then she kind of like, she's running away from it and then she's on the beach in the car headlights at night and really vast kind of shot, which I really like, um, just to kind of like show how isolated she is and then yeah it cuts to the next morning and she's all disfigured and bloodied and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it reminded me of when they find the the corpse on the beach in jaws i like that and they don't say who that is but in my mind i imagine that's the girl that hugh slash jeff got it from because that kind of mm. i guess would kick off this portion of the movie so yeah. then it starts chasing him so he has to figure out a way to get rid of it again yeah i like that also wait even if it didn't have that connection no, that doesn't make any sense because it doesn't go backwards Fuck. No, well, unless it's know. unless it's just a show. Oh yeah, true. It got her. So maybe that would have been so the chick that, that he gave it to. Maybe it was his girlfriend because he. I think he says he has a girlfriend. Yeah, interesting. Well, okay. So in my mind, I'm imagining 
he got it off some random at a bar, he, he says. But I think he, this also says that he's in a relationship. So he probably gave it to his girlfriend, whether accidental or not. Maybe that's who's in the beginning, kills her. So then that goes back to him. So then he has to try and get rid of it. That makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Or it's just some random chick. <laughs> no, I like that. Um, and we should also probably note that there's no opening credits or title cards. So you're just thrown into this opening scene, which mm. is also all a single shot. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, which is yeah. so good. And um, yeah, big wide angle lenses, um, slow panning tracking shots. It's it's an awesome opening. And you get that like distorted synth score come in um, by Disaster Peace. Uh, who I think did Bodies, 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 which I've still not seen, but it's on my list. I've not seen that. I just know they did a game called like Fez or something, mm. which is the reason that uh, the director chose them for this. Yeah, but yeah, awesome opening scene. Um, it's often, uh, people often praise the score of this film as well, where it's just kind of got that um, that like simmering synth soundtrack to it. And uh, I really love that large scale framing, like I said, and... I like that the opening scene, you kind of mentioned it before where it's like in fall and, you know, all the leaves are like that orangey brownie color. Mm-hmm. Having that like long, like extreme long shots, uh, really slow movement, not like quickly cut together, but also those really wide kind of streets in America um, reminded me a lot of Halloween and later you see like the camera moving backwards while the friends are like walking and talking on the footpath, which also reminded me of like Halloween or Scream. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I'm sure the um, the creator of this was probably a big Halloween fan. Like I think he's cited some of his influences, John Carpenter, George A. Romero. Yeah. The main character's name is Jay, which he said has been, that was named after Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Well, um, I think like Jay was a nickname in the movie and her actual name was Jamie. So that checks out. Sure. <laughs> and it kind of starts and ends in a swimming pool. Like, if you don't include the final shot of the film or that opening sequence of the character you never see again, that I like how they bring that back around. Yep, yep. Not it's, doesn't fully end. No. Like, the last scene is in a swimming pool, but the last, like, final, I guess, yeah. act is in a swimming pool. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. And I also kind of noticed that Jay is always dressed in blue to some degree. Okay. Which, I don't know if that was intentional for any, like, purpose beyond, like, separating her from the other cast members. It probably was, because I know there's a lot of colour used in this movie. Mm. Like, the colour red and pink is used a lot to signify that the entity is around. Like, okay. um, fuck, what are some examples? Like, her, she's got, throughout the movie, red nail polish. Yeah. They go to the, like, when they go on their date, he was wearing a red shirt. Oh, okay. Fucking, they go to the Redford Theatre. Yeah, Which nice. is also where the Evil Dead premiered. With the red curtains. <laughs> that's it. That's um, cool. Also, that's something, uh, you're going to hate this, but that's something M. Night Shyamalan does a lot. He uses red in his films as, like, a clue <sighs> to something. Like, in The okay, Sixth Sense, that. the door handle um, to, like, Bruce Willis's stuff mm-hmm. uh, that's sort of been locked away. Um, that's red. In the village, like the cloaks that they oh, wear, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the the two creatures, like theirs is red when everyone else is yellow. Yeah, okay. so I'm sure you probably didn't draw inspiration from that, but oh, um, no. well, I did. I did find out just then when you were talking that the yeah. cinematographer, this Mike, another guy with a Giulakis, I think. <laughs> Sorry to him. Yeah, he he also did the cinematography for Old and Glass, so two M Night Shyamalan movies. Ah, okay, and then also Us. Yeah, nice. Which I still need to see. Us definitely uses red um, mm. for, for symbolism as well. So, yeah, I don't know what blue would symbolize. It's generally considered a cool color, but yeah, that is just something I picked up. I don't know. But um, also, after we get that opening sequence and then you've got Jay in the pool, I really like when her and, and Hugh are like at the theater and they're in the line playing that game where they're guessing who's in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then they finally get in there and sit down and he's like, all right, what about her? And she's like, who are you talking about? He's like, what do you mean? The girl in the in the yellow dress. And that's when it kind of clicks. He's like, oh, fuck, we've got to go. Yeah, which, did he just not plan it well? Did like, sure, because he probably would have tried to lead it away before the date. Mm. But I guess he just didn't go far enough. Well, unless, like you said before, that chick in the opening scene was someone he slept with and he didn't know that they died. No, I think he's more nefarious than that. I think from the get-go, he knew he had to pass it on, so he was trying to seduce Jay. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, fair, because he does have a fucking chloroform and yeah, <laughs> shit yeah. in the boot of his car yeah. after they like, have he, sex. He's definitely had nefarious 
purposes from the very get-go. That's fair. Also, like, why are they in front of some abandoned building having sex in a car? Uh, abandoned psychiatric hospital oh, as well. Oh, God. So, Creepier. Well, I don't know. No one's going to be there. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but that whole scene was sick, too. Like, I like how they kind of do that, and then she wakes up, like, tied to the wheelchair, but the camera is, like, affixed to the front I was, of the I was going to say, there's two of my favorite shots mm. or sequences where the way it's filmed in this movie, and that's one of them, where yeah. there's, like, a fucking the camera is attached to the wheelchair and it's mm. just a super long shot where the guys walk around but it's yeah. the camera stays on her and he then comes, he's moving her around yeah and the camera follows her he's like in and out of frame as mm. he like walks around her panicking with a flashlight yeah. that was sick like one long take that just puts you sort of sort of in her shoes yeah where you can't look around mm. yeah no that was really nice i quite enjoyed that um and then you see the naked lady like slowly approaching them yep and who is the takes the form of Hugh's mother. I don't know if you picked up oh, on Oh, okay. That. I did not know. That's that. why when she opens the door later, Jay kind of like does a double take. Cause he's like, oh, oh, I've seen this I woman. I didn't pick on that. Yes. Pick on that? Pick up that. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. But I like that he kind of has Jay strapped to the wheelchair. That chick's... You like that, do you? Well, I was going to say, <laughs> uh, the chick's like approaching her and he's like right up next to it, but it just like walks straight past him. So it shows yeah. that it's like officially passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of... It's good at kind of not spoon feeding the audience as to how this works, but it lets you piece it together yourself uh, while showing things like that, as well as that mm. opening scene with that chicken ever see again. So that was really cool. And then he kind of just like dumps and he does like a dump and run. Like outside, yeah, he like, like drops I, her off. I know he's just like using her to get rid of the curse, but yeah. why would you like I know. Be, be a decent human being, will you? Yeah. Like Instead explain just, like you can't really explain what's happened, can you? But at least like mm. don't just like dump her on the road tied up or whatever and then drive off. Because that's why everyone thinks that she's been raped and like the cops are asking if it was consensual. Yeah, yeah. Uh just after that as well, I wanna say mm. I was saying before there's two like sort of two scenes where they read from Dostoevsky's The Idiot. Mm. This is the first one time you get a passage from a red. And I can't, I, I don't know the quote. I can't remember. That's right. fine. But it basically talks about um, this man who's, I guess, embracing sitting in a crumbling building. Mm. And then you just have to sort of accept that it's coming. And I think that's kind of meant to not foreshadow because it's already happened, but shadow what happened in the beginning where the, the chick accepts her inevitable fate, goes to the beach and like says goodbye to her dad and then yeah, like, okay. just embraces death that it's coming and inevitable. Yeah, that would also, I guess, um, corroborate your theory you said at the start, whereas it's not so much a fear of a sexually transmitted disease or shame or whatever, but actually like a metaphor for death. So mm. I like that. I was saying before we recorded this too that um, Alex bought me that book. Well, you and Alex. And uh, I haven't read it yet because it's it's a <laughs> it's a slog. Yep. It's a big, big read. But um, I'm a big fan of that author. So I'll I'll read that and I'll see if I can pick up <laughs> on anything that might have happened and it follows. Yep. And uh, get back to you on that. But um, I like the when they have the sleepover and there's that like kind of sexual tension between her and Paul. And it's like this awkward shy guy and he's like trying to be brave saying, yeah, I'll stay over and, and I'll keep a lookout for you. I laughed at that because it's, it's when they're in the ice cream, back at the ice cream store, right? Yeah. And he's like, I'll stay over tonight and I'll protect you. And it's like, well, thanks, Paul. <laughs> You're real hero there. Yeah. I feel so safe with you there, yeah. Paul. And um, you hear like the, the broken window. They don't see anyone there. And like she steps through the threshold and there's like the slow-mo of her turning and there's that chick you were talking about before where she's like missing teeth and like half naked or bruised mm-hmm. and just like urinating as she's like slowly walking towards it like that is so sick because i think they use slow-mo before that once more um at the th- i think it's, it's not at the theater or it might be at the theater but it's when like her and hugh are about to have sex or something mm, i don't know i don't remember mm, i don't know I just, it's like your red theory i kind of like they use slow-mo a handful of times throughout the film when something important's about to happen well it's Kind of the definition of slow-mo, isn't it? Like, that's, yeah. Isn't that usually when they use slow-mo in a movie is when it's like something important is happening, which well, is why I was so annoyed at fucking the Dawn of the Dead remake because yeah. nothing important was happening. Well, I feel like I don't see slow-mo in films too much these days. Other than like actions, action movies, yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of ironic, isn't it? Like action films usually think like fast-paced editing and mm. things cut together. But yeah, anyway, it was it was effective in, in its use in this Indeed film, for sure. And then you get that... 
that scene of the tall dude in the hallway, which is so good because it's like the handles, like they've locked the door, the handles like twitching and like the chicks on the other side moving it and they're calling <laughs> out. And then it's like 30 seconds later, she's like, oh, it's just me. It's like, well, I think why she, would you do that? Well, I think she just woke up. It sounds like she's like, just groggy, grog- groggily tired, <laughs> doesn't know what's happening. She's like, I've just woken up and all of a sudden your friends have locked her fucking door. Yeah. And because like, Jay's like on the floor in tears screaming that there's someone in the house and mm. obviously they can't see this chick so when you know they finally open the door you're expecting that same chick we saw before and then when they let the friend in and then this like seven foot dude <laughs> just comes like looming over her from the shadows yeah, it's, That's like, it's just like a double so... bluff of you're expecting yeah. it to be in the door and then it tricks you and it's like oh it kind of releases the tension and mm. then it's not even like a hard cut jump scare no. it's just a like a, a very tall man just, just comes out of, the dark. out of the darkness yeah and she like Climbs down the railing out the window. Mm. Just bloody. He's one. He well, he was. He's dead now. But he was oh. one half of the world's tallest twin. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. There you go. Imagine that. Like casting someone for their height. Like, can you just? Uh, you don't have any lines. <laughs> I just want you to, like creepily walk down this dark hallway and yeah, I mean, appear in frame. There's a market for it. Like just any any uh, creepy movie. They need a tall guy. Yeah. No, that's fair. And uh, I like when they go to Hugh's house. What was his other name? Jeff. What's his yeah. real name? Jeff his, or Hugh? His real name's... I think their real name is Jeff and they okay. call him Hugh. Okay. I'm just going to keep calling him Hugh anyway because that's one that comes to mind. Um, where they find like his pad in 8 Mile and he's got like the cans and bottles hanging in the windows. Mm-hmm. So that's smart. But this is another instance where it seems dated with that ambiguous timeline because he's got like porn magazines <laughs> and dirty tissues like on the mattress. Like yeah. if it was modern, like... Who would get a fucking magazine? <laughs> I mean, I know he was isolated. It's eight mile. Like maybe he didn't have internet. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's like rundown house. So was he? Because then they show his house, like later on, like you said, where his mum's there and they talk to him to find out how the thing works. Like was he just living there so it wouldn't like follow him to his family? Or I, I mean, I dare say, yeah. unless. Yeah, yeah. Living in probably. squalor in eight mile. Probably just told his mum, "Hey, I'm going out for a week on a holiday or something." Yeah. Um, but I like when they find his actual house um, and he's back there and he's like explaining how it works and mid-conversation you see that like passerby like the chick in the soccer outfit like walking by yeah. and he's like panicking while he's explaining he's like do you see that girl right there? He's like, <laughs> like yes <laughs> yeah that was cool I like that because that just kind of shows like how the, the paranoid paranoia you would of it. be all the time if it happened to you yeah the, really um, nice. the other of my favourite shots or sequences in the movies ha- happen just before this mm. when they go to the high school because they recognize a photo in that abandoned house. They find a photo of Hugh slash Jeff with his uh, yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. So they recognize the the jersey and they go to the high school. Yeah. And when they go there, there's that like really long shot where it's in the hallway and it's just like a, it's more than a 360. It's like a fucking 480 mm. shot where it starts in one bit and then it slowly just rotates and like it shows like, I should believe the entity that's walking like towards them. And they're just kind of going about into the office to talk to some chick. And oh, then it keeps rotating yeah. around and it's like super long. I was trying to remember the scene you're describing, but I remember now. Yeah, I probably described it horribly. No, it, I get it. I but get it's it. a very long take. And then it goes back and shows her again. And it's like the characters it's are just close. The characters are going about their business. Like we don't hear what they're saying. They're just in there talking to someone. Mm. But the focus isn't on them. It's on like just the surrounding area in the entity. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like they do that a lot in the movie where mm. the camera will be looking at them, but the focus won't be on them. It'll be on the background or behind them. Yeah. I also like how sometimes in the film they do that and it's not clear whether the person in the background they're focusing on is actually the entity mm. or whether it's just like someone walking by because that is like <laughs> part of the fucking problem is yep. like you're always constantly on edge because you don't know like whether they're just a passerby or it's the thing. Then like later when they go to the beach and it's like also got the thing in the background slowly approaching her, I like that it looks like some, it's kind of like the wheelchair scene again where it's like a shot in front of Jay mm-hmm. and then it's got it taking the form of a girl like slowly coming down the I think it took the, the form sand. of the friend. Like yeah, Yara. but I didn't realize that until oh, yeah. like they cut away and then they cut back because mm. she like the friend it's imitating is like swimming in the water. Yeah, well, I think it she's, it doesn't show her to begin with. Yeah. And so I guess it's maybe trying to trick you that in the background you see her, you think it is the friend, mm. but 
didn't really trick me because it's the way it's walking. Yeah, the way it's walking indicates yeah. that it is not a human. But that was very cool because it's just kind of like blurred out in the background, slowly getting closer, and no one's any wiser because she's got her back to it. And then mm. like um, the friends are obviously facing that direction, but they can't see it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just really good way to build tension, and because I think one of the friends like talking to her right, and then her hair just like lifts yep. up yep. and. Yeah, just uh, gets yanked and Paul grabs a chair, like breaks midair on the back of the thing they can't see. Then he gets fucking bashed away. Yeah, yeah. Which they never address that, do you? Because like they run to this like little boathouse or something and he lifts up his shirt and he's got like big like scratch marks on his mm-hmm. stomach. I guess it's just to show that like, well, to, to prove to them that it is real. Because mm. up until this point, they kind of just think she's crazy. Kind of like a Freddy type scenario where yeah. if he attacks you in a dream, like- it follows you into the... Yeah, and then so real now world. they've got concrete evidence of, hey, this is like actually real. Like, mm. We need to really start taking it seriously. Yeah. Except the only one who doesn't see that is, what's the guy's name? Is it the neighbor? Yeah, the neighbor. Greg, Greg there you go. He's the only one that doesn't see this happen. Mm. So he still kind of doesn't believe that it's real and happening. Yeah. And because he's got a gun, right? But Paul yeah. ends up with a gun. That's at the end, yeah. Oh, no, in this scene? Because doesn't he, like... No, Jay shoots it in this scene. Oh, yeah, Jay's got the gun. She's trying to shoot it. He's just, like... They mustn't have, like, seen him or whatever because he can't see the thing they're shooting at. So he's just, like, wandering back to the (laughs) boathouse and they're firing at him and he's like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was good. And um, I like in that scene where they... So they're sitting in the chairs, the the thing appears imitating the friend that's in the water and then they run to this boathouse and then it, like, smashes the door and this little boy, like, appears in the hole... And then when they all run out the back, it's a girl. So in the space of like a minute, it's taken three different forms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you reckon that works? Do you reckon like each time she looks away, it like shapeshifts or whatever, looks back? Sure. sure. Just, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what motivation it has at that point. I yeah. guess it's just for for the viewer of like, yeah, it could just changing. I just like that because it kind of feels like she's being chased by multiple people, but it's just the one thing. Hmm. And. Yeah, that's the first time I think in the film, apart from, I guess, when it's the girl in the kitchen and then the tall dude in the hallway, that it takes multiple forms, like in one scene. Yeah, usually it just kind of stays as one. Yeah, forward. yeah. Well, that, that I, was I guess, interesting. I guess because this is sort of the first time it actively has to like really try and get them. Because mm. so far it's just been following in the background or like slowly following through the house. Whereas yeah. now it's caught up to her. But then it's been knocked off. They've run away. They've shot mm. it. Like it has to take a more active approach to actually get through. Like so, it actually yeah. has to start bashing through a door. Yeah, yeah. Whereas previously, it, it didn't do anything like that. It just kind of mm. tried opening doors or yeah. Well, I they, guess it did smash a window. They like shoot it and it just kind of slumps to the ground, gets back up and keeps walking. So it's clear yeah. that like firearms aren't really going to do much. And. She, like, steals the car, drives off, immediately, like, swerves to miss a ute and crashes in a cornfield. Yep. So she wakes up in hospital, and I really like this first scene where she can't move and everyone in the room's asleep, and they've, like, left her door open. So you've got this candid framing of the doorway, and you can hear the footsteps in the mm-hmm. corridor. Um, and it, like, builds up this tension, like, oh, fuck, it's going to, like, get to her easily because they're all asleep, the door's open, she can't move, and then it's just, like, a nurse walking by. That was yeah. nice. Well, I guess it's because it's going to take some time for it to get back there from the countryside, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's true. Well, that's like that theory. Um, it's like, what if you just like flew to another country or like... <laughs> like, well, it'd be the same where you buy yourself some time, but yeah. it will eventually get to you. Bought a plane. No yeah. one will see it. Yeah. <laughs> it would like Pet cemetery or yeah, like- again. <laughs> um, well, it's always walking. So it'll just be like walking back and forth or it'll like walk against the plane door and there's like a stuck NPC that's just continuing Fuck, walking. you know what they should have done? Put on a fucking treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> just like get Jay to stand in front of the like handlebars <laughs> and it'll never get her. That's true. Put well, a cage around a treadmill. I mean, they do say that it it is not dumb. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. It's like you said before, when it gets to Greg's house and it like can't can't get in the door, so it just walks around to the window, smashes yep. it, the rock climbs in, but... We should probably address why that happens. So they're in hospital and the neighbor, Greg, who's now become like part of this ragtag group of friends, mm-hmm. sleeps with her. 
Um, and he thinks bit like of, nothing bit, of it, right? Bit of a scummy thing to do, really. Because Well, he doesn't believe it. Like I said, yeah, he doesn't believe it. So he's kind of just taken advantage of this girl who's uh, he thinks is crazy. Yeah. He's like, oh, I've got to get my dick wet. Yeah. I mean, Paul throughout the whole film is desperate for her because <laughs> he's in love with her. But he's like, oh, no, it's strictly for the curse. It's yeah. to pass it on. Yeah. I just want to protect you with Greg's like, yeah, I'll have a piece of that. <laughs> yeah. And something they do just after that, well, a scene that they include that I guess is meant to put in more ambiguity because there's a lot of that throughout the movie where they... Yeah. They introduce a scene where they suggest something happens, but they don't definitively say if it does or not. Mm. Is that they show that shot after they've slept together of him in the cafeteria, like sort of hitting on some women. Yeah. And he's like really close to one of the girls. So it's kind of like, did he sleep with one of them to try and pass it on? Mm. And maybe that, because they, they say that he hasn't seen it in like three days. Yeah. Like that could be why, because he passed it on. It had to get to her first mm. and then go back to him. Yeah, that's fair because they also kind of imply that Jay slept with someone after him because she's still got like the cast on her arm mm. after the crash and she goes to the beach and sees like a boat anchored yeah. out at sea and she just kind of like strips off and swims towards it. I don't think she slept with them. Because like what was what was the point of that? Just again, more just to try and show ambiguity of did she, did she didn't she? Yeah, okay. But I don't know. I think the time frame... Makes me think that she didn't. Because mm. then, yeah, the next scene of her is like wet in the car driving home. Yeah. But. Which makes me think that she like would have swam to it, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I like that the, like when you see the entity at Greg's house, because after they've slept together and she's like back from the beach, she just kind of like stays secluded in a bedroom for mm. much of the film after that. And um, like doesn't open the door unless it's like one of her friends and just constantly looking out the window and she sees the entity outside Greg's house, but it's, I think it's Greg. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, it's just pretty a doppelganger sure. at this point. And that's when it like can't get in the door, breaks the window, climbs in. So she like runs down, gets into the house, up the stairs and sees like his mother like banging on the door. He mm. opens it. She lunges at him and then he's like raping her with this like, She's raping him. Yeah, sorry. Okay, exactly. <laughs> sorry, we should address that. Yeah, she's like raping the son and there's like this weird like electricity in the room and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just And that's the first time weird. you see like how the entity actually kills them. Mm, and I feel like, I, I don't know how kind of intended it is, but I feel like it's important noting that in that scene, there's like that like static electricity because obviously the way that they try to kill it in the end is by electrocution. Okay. I don't know if... Because that might not have anything to do with it because that... I didn't even pick up on it. Yeah, because that pool like idea was Paul's and he wasn't there for that. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's just something I thought was a cool connection, uh, whether it was intended or not. Fair enough. And I like when they finally go, okay, yeah, we've we got to get out of here. They all get in the car and, and drive off. As they pull away, you can see it like on the roof, like above where her bedroom would have been. So yeah, like, kind of implies it was... It was about to get her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's isn't it like her naked father? It's not her father yet, but okay. it is just a naked guy. Yeah, which kind of reminded me of those cult members you see in Hereditary <laughs> near the end. Yeah. But that was just just creepy. A, just another horror movie with naked, creepy old people. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm effective. all for it. Um, so they go to the pool and they have this idea to kind of plug in all these electrical appliances lure the entity into the water and then toss them all in and fry it. Admittedly, it is a stupid fucking plan. Yeah, right? I was thinking that the first time <laughs> I saw it. I was like, what a dumb idea. I kind of like it because it is something that they would think of because yeah. they're, they're kids, like they're teenagers, but they're mm. not adults by any means. Yeah. And so they just kind of... And she's a good swimmer, they've established. Yeah. yeah Bull bullets don't work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's, like, it's a stupid idea, but it is something that the kids... I guess would try because yeah. they don't have any reason to suspect it wouldn't work. Yeah, I mean... They don't realise how bad of an idea it is. Yeah, but this scene's really interesting um, because they th there's a scene where it comes in and no one else can see the entity except Jay. So she kind of freaks out when she's in the water and it, it enters the room. And Paul's like, oh, point at it so we can see where it is. And he <laughs> just starts like firing at it aimlessly. Um and I like at one point you see the appliances being like lifted in the air and mm -hmm. tossed into the water at her and like a yeah. couple hit her in the head or the hand or whatever and she starts bleeding. Um, but then Paul just starts like firing aimlessly. 
hits like the Yar in the, leg. the friend in the leg and never addresses it. Yeah. Never, never says sorry. No one like sees if she's just okay. Terrible again, kids. Terrible yeah. gun control. Like Paul's even even not even when Greg first gets the gun out, he like holds the gun. His finger is on the trigger. Yeah, like yeah. that's not how you hold a gun. Bro. They're not smart. Um, but I do like when they grab the sheet and like toss it <laughs> over the head of it, so you can see this like. Or, um, or cartoonish like ghost looking. All I could form. think in my mind is just like Michael Myers yeah. with a sheet on his face. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Um, but that was really cool. Uh, just the way that it was shot, um, and having the like microwaves and TVs and hair dryers and shit just <laughs> pegged at her. Yeah. Uh, and then they cover it with the sheet. Paul shoots it, and he like falls into the water. See all this blood clad everywhere. She goes to swim out, and it grabs her ankle and pulls her down. <laughs> the sink just gurgled at us um, And I like when she climbs out of the water You can see like the lesions or whatever Around her ankle of mm. where it grabbed her yeah. So yeah, it's just more kind of evidence That it is real and just quite unsettling Yes, for sure And it's a really cool shot too Of just like the when she's looking at the pool And it's like filling with just lots of blood mm. But then it goes to like Paul's point of view And it's just an empty pool Yeah, I did like that That was cool So in theory it can bleed Because that's not her blood if it can bleed, we can kill it. <laughs> Bullets don't kill it, but it bleeds. Because I think when they shoot it at the beach, you can see like blood coming out of the wound. Yeah, well, so unless it, it yeah, just regenerates. It's just in like the neck of the beach. Yeah, interesting. It is very, and again, it's a completely on yeah. purpose. I'm sure it is. It's very ambiguous as to if it even dies at the yeah. end. I kind of like that. You just you don't you don't really know anything about it apart from it just goes down the line and it just does what it can to get you. Yeah, it makes it vague and. The only information you get about it in the movie is what people sort of figure out on their own. Yeah, what they speculate. Like it, does, it doesn't give a backstory of, oh, here's, here's who created the curse or, mm. you know, some nasty old witch cast it on this motherfucker that yeah. some other horror, horror movies would try and do. Yeah, maybe someone got cheated on and they cast a hex on them. Yeah, and then they have to try and figure out how to, like, stop it, go, go back to the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I like it better. It's just, it's just, it's a thing that exists yeah. and there's... No real way to beat it that they know of. Yeah, it's it is unexplained. The timeline's unexplained. The the settings. It's yeah, very yeah. cool how they've done it. The entire thing like a, a dream. Yeah, and then when they're sitting in the hospital next is the next like excerpt from the idiot mm. where it talks about the inevitability of death coming even more. Yeah, like like the only thing you know for certain is that it is coming. Yeah, and so it kind of sets up like they think they've killed it, but. It's still going to come. You can never be certain. Yeah. It's like the Final Destination thing. You can you can cheat it, but it'll always yeah. catch up to you. Which is then echoed in the final shot of the movie where... Oh, that's such a cool They're holding... Like, uh, fucking Jay and Paul are holding hands walking mm. down the street. And there's a person following behind them, but you don't know if it's real or not. Yeah, that's like I was saying earlier. It's But it's... the guy raking the leaves has a red shirt, so... Ah, nice. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. But I do like that when... Because... We should probably address that, like, Jay and Paul do eventually sleep together. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's like the the final shot of the film is them just walking down the footpath and sort of shows that person in the background, but just far off enough. Like, oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just far off enough that you don't know, like, if it's actually the thing or it's just someone that's turned the corner and started walking. Yeah. I also, like, do you think, why do you think she slept with him? Well, I mean, he you think it's a bit of kind love? of tried to save her life. Because I, I didn't get that vibe at all. Maybe like, she fell for him. I feel like when the whole pool sequence happened, it maybe just scared her just enough that she just wanted to finally get it over with. And so she mm. like kind of used him as a pawn to like pass it off just in case so that yeah. she can have a bit of relief and an early warning system or something. Maybe it was even simpler than that. And she's just like, fuck, this will get him off my back. <laughs> <laughs> True. Because then even when they're walking down the street holding hands, like you can see the way they're holding hands. Mm. He's grabbing her hand like tight and I don't know, lovingly. Her hand's just kind of dangling there awkwardly. Yeah. Well, she does. Uh, well, sorry. Paul does seem quite possessive. Because like throughout the film. Uh, not, when, not really. You know, I get, well, I don't know. He, he he's seems very like protective. A, he seems like a lovesick puppy. Yeah. But he doesn't seem like, I wouldn't call it possessive. Okay. Okay. Because I know when like Jay and Greg, the neighbor, like start uh, holding hands or whatever, like they show shots of Paul just in anguish. Yeah. <laughs> the other side of the room. So he's yeah. very jealous. Jealous boy. Something I didn't pick up on the first time I saw it as well. I didn't mm. pick up on this time. I used to think it was like 
more into the themes and metaphor about it, like maybe virginity of it. Mm. But I think I caught in this when they're talking, when, when Jay's talking to Paul about why she slept and gave it to Greg. Yeah. She says, because we used to do it in high school. So she's obviously had a thing with him in the past. Really? Because Unless I misheard that. Maybe. Because I thought when they're talking like Greg and Jay earlier in the film, there's a point where he's like, oh, I wish I spoke to you more because he's like, because mm. wasn't like her friend or, or her sister, Kelly, was like waving to Greg when he was cleaning his car at the start of the film. So it, it kind of sets up that she likes him. Mm. But then it shows like Greg taking notice of Jay in class. Maybe there's egg on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard- Shit the bed. <laughs> I thought I heard that line, but I might be wrong. I mean, maybe. I think I've only seen the film twice. I've only seen it like three or four times, I think. Yeah, it's just memorable enough. It does have a lasting impression. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, that's... I mean, we we criticise the whole pool electrocution thing, but it is different. Like, I can't really think of many films where that's like the the final act is of destroying whatever the thing is that's pursuing yeah, the protagonist. Because usually in horror movies, you get the final act of... They figure out some way to defeat it, and so they try that, and they usually succeed. Well, they do like set up a trap. Yeah, I whereas, suppose. whereas this way, in this movie, it's they try something, and it doesn't go right, but they still try and well, still sort of succeeds, succeeds in a way anyway. Staves it off a little longer. Yeah, because it's mm-hmm. kind of like that horror trope of having one last scare. But it, like you said, it's uncertain yeah. whether it actually is it or not. It's a super subtle last scare. Mm, it's very cool. And I, we've touched on it a lot so far, but just the technique of this film and just the way it was shot is just as interesting as the plot. Like a lot of extreme long shots, like we've said, where, uh, you know, sometimes in horror, there'll be extreme close-ups where it's a clue mm. um, or it's to kind of make you uncomfortable. This kind of does the opposite by showing how isolated someone is or some place is where it'll be like, you know, in that opening scene, it's the chick at the beach in the car headlights, or it'll be when um, Jay and Hugh have sex in the car, and it's just really wide yeah. shot, nothing around them, just kind of to show, uh, sort of like, I guess in a way, how helpless, how they isolated are. they are. Yeah, but it also lets you like absorb the scene and and look around a lot, which I really like. Um, it's a bit more immersive, and like you said, um, if he's influenced heavily, uh, if David. Director David is is influenced heavily by John Carpenter. Then that explains a lot. Uh, but also a lot of symmetry and reflections, I noticed. Other, Be- other than when she's looking directly in a mirror, mm. I didn't see any reflections. Because I think there's a... Oh, well, no. Because th- <laughs> that's what I mean, like the mirror. But they show mirror scenes like two or three times. Oh, okay, yeah, right. And, and when they do, it does look a lot like the stills um, by photographer Gregory Crudson. Which I think okay. um, the director and the, the cinematographer tried to emulate throughout the film because I was reading um, that he was another big influence for the composition of this I've film. I've never heard that, man. Yeah, neither had I. So when I was like preparing a, a bit of research for this pod, I was looking at photos from that guy and it does look a lot like the way It Follows was shot. Okay. So like really, he does really unusual stills of like people in strange situations or something wrong in the shot uh but it's got the same kind of like color grading and angles that they've used in this okay so just like things like that where you can like read into it a lot but i don't understand art (laughs) (laughs) i just found that really fascinating and it, it definitely made for um a very enjoyable watch uh the slow slow mo sequences we've addressed and also just the slow zooms Mm-hmm. You know, let you kind of like just really take in someone's thought process by their facial expressions and all that kind of like meaningful shit <laughs> that I don't know if you would have noticed. But well, um, I sometimes notice meaningful shit, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> so like... I know the director's trying to show me something. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's two scenes that I know that they intended. Like, I, I get the meaning behind it, mm. but I don't get the meaning behind it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, okay. like, like the scene where... 
they're um there's two scenes that come to mind one is when they're talking to Hugh Jeff after they find him yeah and he's explaining what he knows yeah and she's like placing blades of grass on her leg yeah so like, I I'm guessing that. like in my mind alright they're trying to say something about self harm or suicide because mm. then later there's another sh- well there's another sequence of two shots where there's a plate of food with one pill on it it, it shows that huh. early in the movie and then later it shows the same plate of food but the pill is gone and oh, so it's like, okay. I guess I that's, that. that's meant to show, like, again, self-harm or drug mm. abuse or something like that. So I, I, I recognize that that's a thing. Yeah. I don't fully understand why they're in there. Yeah, I did try to understand what they were trying to say when she was, like, picking off the blades of grass and laying them across her thigh. Mm. But now that you've said it's, like, a symbol of, you know, where someone might cut themselves, mm. uh, that definitely does kind of tie in with the, the underlying themes of the film. Yeah, sure. Yeah, interest. Death, self-harm, inevitability of your death. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. It's a very beautiful movie. Got a lot going for it, for sure. How would you beat it? What would you do? So, like, if I've just kind of gone about my day and I've noticed there's people that look like they're staring at me and so they're walking towards me and then... Well, no, because that's... that's so t- I get anxiety from that in crowds <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that That's too vague. If you were in the same situation she was where... Oh, so I know some, what's Somehow happened. some poor soul has slept with you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Sounds like you're fucked. <laughs> well, you were, yes. That's how it starts. And so you've, you've got this curse. What would you do? Okay, so I know like how you, it works. You know how it works. You know the rules. <sighs> well, like you said, it always will catch up to you unless you stay on the move. So I'd have to either get as far away as possible and just like fortify a place that I'm hiding in. Man, we're just having the the zombie conversation (laughs) again. Or I would have to just kind of like stay on the move. So maybe I just like, I do contract work. Contract work? (laughs) Yeah, I worked out in Melbourne for three months. Oh, that contract's up. I'll go move to Sydney. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you could get really scientific about it and like time it. So like, okay, I can see it's walking towards me at this pace. It oh, takes this yeah, long. Track it. This is its average speed, its mm. pace. It's like, all right, so if I move a thousand kilometers away, it should take approximately this long for it to get to me. Interesting. And interesting. so you could keep doing it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like that. interesting. Okay. So you reckon you'd like stay on the move then? Always I, in your I car would. And... I mean, I've always wanted to, you know, tri- travel around Australia in a bus <laughs> or a van and finally convince Alex to do this. Fair, fair. I think another way to sort of help out surviving with it is mm. to pass it along, but not in a way of just trying to get rid of it. Like yeah. you don't pass it along to some random because then that's kind of worse. Like you're still in oh, the- Oh, you won't you, be able to find you, it. You're, you're still in like the target, like it's still got a target on you, mm. but it makes it even worse if you don't know when it's going to come for you. Yeah. So I'd say pass it to someone who you can keep with you. Yeah, okay. So like if you've got a partner, pass it to them or, you know, that'd be a bit unfortunate for them. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> find someone willing to- work with you, mm. pass it between yourselves, and then, because at least that way... Keep away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. You gotta have, I reckon you got to have three people. Okay? okay, okay. So you get it. You pass it to someone else who you're going to spend the mm. rest of your life with, I guess. Yeah. And so the two of you can see someone, but then the third person can like verify if they're real or not. Mm. Interesting. Or... But I kind of guess that works with two people as well. <laughs> You just don't sleep with You them. just take the Russian roulette route and have an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's it gonna be? Um, <laughs> no, that's a that's a fair point. I don't know. I guess you'd have to stay on the move, but I like that idea of of just like measuring a distance, saying like, okay, from this building to that building's a hundred meters. I'm going to let the thing get close enough to me, quickly run back and time how long it takes. <laughs> but the thing is, it takes different forms, right? So mm-hmm. a young girl would have a different pace to that like seven foot dude. Well, you give yourself some stride. give yourself some leeway, right? Like, okay, yeah. it it should take five minutes. Like, give yourself double that time. Yeah, okay, but also we like sorry half that time. Half, yeah. <laughs> Become an astronaut <laughs> and go up into space. There's no way you can get up there. Oh man, yeah, it sounds like it's it's just rough. So that's the end of your notes. Yeah, that's pretty much everything I have. Like, like I said, this was one of those films that you suggested to me and um, very much enjoyed it. It is it's unique. And I love the way it's shot. Ticks all the boxes for me. Mm-hmm. I've suggested a lot to you that <laughs> you might like half of them. Whereas I feel like every film you've suggested to me, I've loved. So I, I okay. definitely don't take your recommendations lightly. I'm just I'm just pickier with my recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, this one, obviously I love it. It 
it almost made it on my top five mm. when we when we did that episode. I thought it would have. Well, I know the next topic episode we're doing, and so mm. another one of my movies would make it into that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I've been watching a few films for that, and it's, it's getting me keen. I'm, I'm excited to see what, what the listeners reckon. Tease in the next episode. Well, I think that's everything we have to say about this film. Yeah, I think we'll just plug the socials, let them know what's up. No. <laughs> now check us out at Dead House Pod uh, on on Facebook, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Drop a new episode at five PM every Friday on uh, Spotify and on every the, Friday, every, every uh, you know, anywhere you could find your stream podcast, wherever you get your pods. That's it. We'll catch you guys next time for said topic. Yes, <laughs> we will be right back.